Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, let's go to the precious, ever-sharpened bread of life, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Are you excited for the Word this morning? All right, I want to talk about this was laid on my heart and I felt the Lord put it on my heart. It's not maybe going to be the most polished situation, but I pray it would, um, it would speak to us. I want to talk about Surgeon Jesus. Surgeon Jesus. And I want to talk about Peter's dilemma. Um, this is year two of following Jesus. And we, we declared it year before last year, started last year, that we're going to take three years to actually try to really suss out what does it actually mean when Jesus said, come follow me? Because it seems so easy for the disciples. They just went and followed him. What does it actually mean? And there's been, even last year, a really deep work. But this year, we felt that real impression that God actually wanted us to really talk about and take seriously being disciples. Being disciples. That's what we're called to be, a disciple of Jesus. That actually means we're being made into his image. We're being made into his image. How many people are grateful it doesn't mean wearing a Middle Eastern robe? It's not very flattering. Or Roman sandals. That's not what it means to be made into the image of Christ. If you're trying to find a word, I think the concept of maturing, you know, God wants us to be mature spiritually, emotionally. I don't know about physically, but anyway, we, you know, God wants us to be, you know, doesn't, too many gray hairs is a bit scary, isn't it? You look in the mirror and you've got wrinkles. I was with my 96-year-old grandma last weekend. I was ministering in Auckland. I went and saw her and she's having some health um, challenges. And she said to me, I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself. So she goes to me, so get ready. <laughs> I was like, this is so encouraging. Glad I came to see you. So Christ, um, through his word and by his spirit, does a work within us. If you just heard that, that includes every person who just heard that. Christ is doing a word work by his word and his spirit within you. That's what it means to become like Jesus. It's with it's our inner journey. And and it does actually, it has to, he said this. You actually meant it's meant to reflect outwardly. But it doesn't religion starts outwardly, do the stuff, but Christ starts with the heart. And that's who we're becoming like. I was actually shocked this week. One of my children was up quite early. Uh, which is unique for him. And he said, and he goes to me, who the heck was on the dishwasher this morning? And it was just me and him in the kitchen. And I said, I don't know, why? And he was very annoyed. And he said, someone put a sharp knife in the bread and butter drawer. And this kid, he's not very old, okay? And I'm just like, I'm just observing this conversation. And I have this the absolute sense of disdain coming from him that someone has put one sharp knife, just one, in the bread and butter knives, that's all it was. And, and I just said, I don't know. But what I do know is, day by day, you are proving how much like your mum you are to me. <laughs> because if I saw the knife, I'd look at the knife and I'd think, oh, there's a knife in the drawer. And then I'd walk away. That would be it. But not his mum. And you see, Jesus is like that. Jesus is wanting you in your, through your own personality, your own strengths, maybe even some of the quirks you have, he wants you to become like him. 
so that you intrinsically learn how to see things in life and go, well, that's not right because of what's in you. He gives you salvation. He forgives your sins. He gives you right standing, righteousness as a gift before God. That is 100% the gospel. But I just want to remind everybody, as much as being that saviour, our Jesus is also a surgeon. He's a surgeon and he's a saviour. John 15, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. God's plan is that you produce lots of fruit. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you, so that's a key. Remain in me and I'll remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. It just sounds like fun, doesn't it? Pruning. I, I don't like even doing that in our garden. I, I, we saw a tree one time. I just got a strop out in the tow bar, and I was like, we're just going to rip it out. Like that, that's kind of, some of our personalities are like that. But our Jesus is not just like, he won't just rip stuff out of you, you know. He's, he's got a kindness about him. He's got an accuracy about him. Because once he, he gives you salvation and forgiveness and righteousness, he sets you. He's like, you feel safe in his hands. And you are eternally safe. What did he say? No one can snatch you out of his hand. But while you're in his hand, he comes with a scalpel. And he begins to do some things because there's some things in you that are not like him. There are some things. Matthew 13 says that Jesus plants his word in our hearts, in our lives, even in the middle of other shrubbery, other harvests that have grown up around it. He does this both in the world and he does it in our lives individually as we journey with him. Independent streaks planted in there. Self-justification planted in there. Religion planted in there. Traditions of our family or our upbringing. Maybe rebellion planted in there. Maybe pride that you're just like, it's your way and no one else's way. And you, you know, I, even last night I had a moment with Rebecca where I was like, it was so embarrassing. She goes to me, I put some cream on some dry skin because I'm in my 40s. There's no cream in my 20s. And, I was, and she goes, oh man, um, use that sparingly. And I thought, what the? I said, that means a lot. She goes, it doesn't. I said, yeah, yeah, sparingly means you've got lots to spare. And she, go, she goes, it doesn't. She goes, look it up. And this is what I said. You know I'm well read, Rebecca. That's what I said. And then I Google it and it said, just a little bit. <laughs> I'm just a little bit of an idiot, you know. So you've got all this stuff, victim, victim mentality. Some of us have a victim mentality in our planted in, in our heart through sin, through different ways we're brought up, whatever. But Jesus is like, you don't look, I'm not gonna if I remove all that stuff, you're not even gonna recognize your stuff self. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna plant my word, my grace and truth in the midst of all that, and we're gonna let that grow up. And then I'm gonna come and I'm gonna be a gardener in your life. And I'm going to garden out, while this grace and truth grows, I'm going to garden out that pride. I'm going to garden out that self, you know, that independent streak. I'm going to garden out that victim mentality. 
I am surgeon Jesus. And that's what it means to be his disciples, people. He will prune things out of us that no one else can take out. Yeah. So how does he do it? What does it look like? And, I'm, and I want to talk, I really had on my heart to talk about Peter. Because Peter, and I want you to think about him, he is a rock in the kingdom of God. He, is, he wrote books, First Peter, Second Peter, ironically. He's powerful. He's like a general. He's a general in the faith. He walked on water like Jesus. He's the only disciple who did it. This cat, you're like, he's mature. He's a disciple. He preached on Pentecost, 3,000 people, plus women and children were added. He's a miracle man. He's a founding father of the church. But some of those things happened only after, real key, after. Jesus did the kind of work in him that we church folk don't like to talk about. Just before Jesus was crucified, the disciples were all gathered together having the Last Supper. And I don't know if he said, this is the Last Supper. He was having a supper. And Jesus is speaking about a new agreement. Rebecca talked about it between God and man through the blood and through the body. So that's, the, that's why you're saved by grace. And that's why gift, righteousness is a gift. Because Jesus did it, you don't do it. So you're, set, you're settled in the work of God, that, that finished work. So Jesus is telling them stuff. And this is a lot like us with our families. We tell them stuff. We're going to be at this place on this time. Be ready. We're going on this. Make sure you pack. Um, we're going to be doing this. I mean, have you found there are certain members of your family that you may as well have been speaking Swahili? Do you have anyone in your... I mean, I can do that to Rebecca. She can be like, no, I told you that. I'm like, no, you're totally different. Didn't. <laughs> That's true. I'm well read. So he's, he's telling them, right, and then Last Supper, beautiful moment, and then this, this. Simon, Simon, that's Peter's original name. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Now you're here today, 2023, this is a shocking verse to acknowledge. Satan asked Jesus if he could sift all of the disciples like wheat. He said, and he's saying it to Simon particularly, Peter, Peter, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. If Jesus is praying for you, something good's going to happen or you're in deep trouble, either one. He says, I'm, I'm praying that your faith should not fail you. Man, that's huge. So when you have repented, Simon, Peter, and turned to me again, go strengthen your brothers. Peter says, Lord, no. Nah, I'm ready to go to even prison with you. I would be happy to die with you. But the Lord Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times, you'll deny three times that you even know me. Now, Peter has already been powerful, already a leader in the group. He's already walked on water. How could he deny Jesus? Peter does not see it at all. He's like, no, that's not happening. You know, some of the things we see in ourselves is not so. And some of the things we don't see in ourselves is so. There are such things called blind spots, people. And they're not just in your car, they're actually in your life. The worst thing about it is family members can see it sometimes. That is the worst. You know, why do you do that when you do that? Why, why does the, do you know you do that? I'm like, totally do not. <laughs> you totally do. It's in your blind spot. It's in that whopping big tree of self-justification. You can't see the wood for the trees. 
and Peter can't see it. Why, why is this going to happen? Why is Jesus about to do a journey with Peter? Like, this is, this is crazy. And, and, and the next thing is, Jesus is arrested after dinner. Peter's watching on where they have him in the courtyard. And Jesus sees Peter in the crowd. They, they lock eyes. He's been arrested and he's like hiding because all the disciples scattered. And then someone says to him close, hey, you're one of his followers, eh, Peter? And Peter's like, no, nah, not me. And again, someone else says, hey, I saw you with them. And he goes, it's not me. I, I don't know them. And it says, the, one translation says an hour later, roughly, one more person goes, hey, you're one of them, eh? And he goes, I don't even know the guy. And suddenly, the rooster crows. And the Bible says that Peter realizes he did what he said wasn't in him. He did it. And it even says he would have never imagined that was in him. Never in a million years. And he begins to, and this is beautiful, really, began to weep bitterly, realizing that there was something going on within his character, within him. And when we follow Jesus, we're committing our hearts to him. And you have to realize there is stuff in you too. There's stuff in you. And you know, he loved you and he saved you even despite that stuff. But there's a couple of trees that if he does not deal with, they, they could, what did he say to Peter? That your faith may not fail. They're a threat to your faith. There's some stuff in you and it might be really simple stuff. You never ask for help. You never speak from an honest place. You, you struggle to admit you're wrong. Who enjoys it anyway? Struggle to say the precious, precious words, I'm sorry. And it's a, and it's a tree of self-independence, a tree of self. And Christ has planted the tree of his work, his salvation, the tree of life. But he's got to come and he's got to do some work. And there might be some misbeliefs. We might get really easily offended. I actually found in my 20s and my 30s, I wasn't, I got hurt easily, but I didn't get offended easily. I got into my 40s, and it was a shocking reality that I got offended way more easily than in my 20s and 30s, particularly when things happened around my kids. Everyone calls them pastor's kids. Quite surprised at that. They're just kids. We're the pastors. They're just kids. They've told me many a time, oh, yeah, such and such came up to me and said, quote me this Bible verse. And they were like, I don't know it. You should know it. You're a pastor's kid. And suddenly in my 40s, I'm like, what is wrong with these people, Lord? Why is it that they do things like just stupid things? And you know what it is? It is locked and it is loaded, not anything to do with what was said and nothing to do with really the kids themselves. It's what's in me. It's the fact that something in me reacts. So in my 40s, oh, and I don't want to be tested more, Lord, in this, but I find myself having to deal with offense, feeling offended. You know there is a Bible verse for it, eh? Blessed are those who will not be offended at my name, for when I shall return, I shall find faith in them. He gave the warning. The great, the, the thing that pulls and splits churches apart, by the way, this is not an issue in our church at the moment, but I'm just saying. The thing that I've seen split more churches apart more than anything else is not that someone had a bright new idea. It's that someone got offended with it. 
And that someone, when the idea was shared, was not able to work through it. And you, we've got more people telling them, God told me to do such and such. I think it could have been the offense. It's gone really quiet. I might move on. <laughs> so Jesus is going to do a surgery. Listen to this. Jesus is going to do a surgery on Peter while he goes to the cross in Hades over the three days. Isn't Jesus just the most least selfish person you've ever met? He's going to die for us. He's going to give his life. And while he does it, he's going to do a surgery on Peter. Because Peter, after denying him, bolts. And Jesus is crucified and so forth. And we know that Peter could get angry. And we know he could get brash. And we know he could be cocky. Okay, Lord, you're not going to die. No, no, you're not going to. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. He was was a self-cocky person, that guy. And I'm sure there's things in him as well that we don't know about. But I just want to share a couple of thoughts. People think because you're a Christian now that you're not going to have issues. Opposite. It's opposite day. Every day. (laughs) Because the Spirit of God cares about you so much, you're going to have issues. Why? Because he wants that righteous tree of life to be big and massive before he calls you home or before he returns. You're going to have challenges. Elijah struggled with depression. Jacob fell into deceiving people to get ahead. He was trying to fulfill his God call, and he tried to do, he was called deceiver. That was his name. Moses mostly was good, but he didn't obey and trust God when it really mattered, and it kept him out of God's promise. Timothy struggled with timidity. Thomas doubted. Noah got PTSD and so hammered on alcohol, he ended up naked in front of his kids. Now, if God told me to build an ark over 100 years and have only animals and your children on it, I'd have PTSD too. (laughs) David, David could not address things in his own family and yet he was a warrior who slayed his tens of thousands and he could not address his son Absalom's rebellion and it wreaked havoc throughout the entire kingdom. Samson could bench press 500 kilo, but he had a weakness for women. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived and yet ended up worshipping himself. But in every case, God takes these people and addresses the issues within them, not first, not first, but along the journey, because he's a redemptive gardener, he is a surgeon with a scalpel, and he wants to reach our hearts and our souls, and he alone can pull the weeds without tearing us apart. You don't want to clap because you're thinking this week God's going to get that scalpel out and he's going to... I haven't got very long, but I just want to show you the surgeon at work. I want to show you the mode of operandi. I want to show you how he works. If we looked into his theater, I want to show you the methodology, the way that he'll interact with you. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, John 21. He'd just been resurrected. His priority, it seems, is not to have a fanfare, but to go see his disciples. They're out fishing. But at dawn, Jesus is standing on the beach calling to the disciples. This is after Peter has run a million miles. And he calls out, hey guys, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. He said, well, try the other side of the boat. They've been out all night, not caught any fish. It can feel like that in your life. Hey, when it feels in your life like nothing's working, nothing's working, even your prayers, nothing's working, nothing's working, nothing's working. I reckon it's often a sign the surgeon is here and he's doing a work. And, and, and rather than just repeating and banging on, just carrying on, 
He wants us to stop and to turn to him, to relinquish the control that grows so wildly within us. And, and someone recognizes it's Jesus. It's Peter, the same guy that denied him. He puts his tunic back on because he'd stripped off to, um, down to something a bit more uncomfortable, and he heads into the shore. And the others stayed in the boat pulling a loaded net of fish that they hadn't been able to catch overnight. Bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus said. This is the surgeon at work. So Simon Peter went aboard and he dragged the fish to shore. Now come, have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon Son of John, that was his name. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. They've just shared a breakfast together. I want you to feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Then take care of my people, my sheep. Third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. That Jesus even asked that question for a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. That's it. That's the surgeon at work. He's taken out of Peter through this process. Things that nothing else would have ever taken out. And the surgeon will turn his hand towards you too if you are his disciple. The first thing you recognize in the passage is that the initiative is his. We are not talking about Peter saying to the Lord, hey Jesus, I've got a problem with tracking the courier parcels all the time. I get a bit obsessed. It's meant to arrive, it's not arriving. Oh, it's on board. Lord, I really need you to do. It's not what you are asking God to take out at times. It's often what Jesus sees in you. I was 17 years old. I walked into a church service one night. I grew up in church. I didn't want to be changed. I was living 50-50, 50% in the world, 50% in the church. And by the way, that is not the equation. When you do that, it's just 100% not. I didn't know that. So I went to church one night, and I took my partying friends with me. I was 17 years old. It was a broad green intermediate hall. Partway through the service, the preacher stopped and said my name, Graham. And I got an almighty fright. I wasn't really there to worship God. My heart was a million miles away. When are you going to stop mucking around with God? And carried on his message. (laughs) Rhetorical, it appears. Well, he didn't know, but in that moment, the Spirit of God began to touch me in such a powerful way that he changed my whole heart in that moment. I didn't ask him to. I didn't seek him. I did not organize this. I walked in with my party mates, and I walked out, a totally different person. There might be people here this morning who believe they're running the show. Just want to remind you, you're not. If you haven't worked that out by now, you're not. Oh yeah, I know what the Lord needs to do. I know how he do, does it, needs to do it. Here's a Greek word for you, you ready? Rubbish. If you are truly his disciple, okay, he knows what you need. That's the issue. If you're not his disciple, you're going to be all over the show. There are things you need to stop telling the Lord to do for you, care for you. He cares for you. Love you. He loves you. Once the Lord loves someone, he never stops loving them. That's how powerful his love is. 
So I want to remind everybody here that God is probably doing a work in your life that you have not paid attention to or even bothered to. Look up. Look at what he's doing in the deeper part of you. Number two, mercy is always his approach. There's no shouting, no aggression. Isaiah 42.3, a bruised reed he shall not break. Do you know that um, Peter's name was Reed? He was known as a reed blown around in the wind. That's Isaiah's prophecy, not only about the nation of Israel, about those who are tender before the Lord, but about Peter, that he was bruised and he was disappointed and he had let Christ down. And yet what do we know about his nature? A bruised reed he shall not break. And I want to tell you today that right now God will cook you breakfast over shouting you down. But that's the problem, isn't it? You're running a million miles. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Do you not trust him? Do you not believe he would do that? Do you not believe that's the reception you will get? His in total mode of operation is mercy. Three, his love is the anesthetic. Because Jesus asked Peter over and over, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? We think it's about Peter's love for the Lord, but it wasn't. His love was imperfect. Our love is imperfect. Our walk for Christ is imperfect. Our trying to do it all the time, our trying to be perfect, it's all imperfect. When he asks him three times, do you love me? It's clear that Jesus asking him is for the three times he failed him, drawing him constantly to, I love you, and if I didn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Let me show you, Peter. Maybe this was the issue. You think this is all done in your own strength. It is not. And the quicker you come to that end, the better things are going to get for you. He had to go through that. Hey, there's someone here, and you said yes to following Jesus. You prayed the prayer and you asked him into your life. And then you got, fell back into drinking. And you think, oh my gosh, I was never a Christian in the first place. It was never real in the first place. I failed God. I, I screwed up. That's, that's what the, the devil does to try to make your faith fail. I, time and time and time again, I talked to our pastors about it. I was talking to one who was helping a person with this. And I said, you've got to tell the person that they have not failed the Lord. It's just like a pruning moment, can you get back out of that and come back to the master? And, and the reason is, because if you return to it, it was an issue. And that issue has got to be resolved. And so I want to remind everybody, I want to remind, it sounds like birds are in here. Might be a ringtone. Isaac, do you want to jump up here? I want to remind everybody, I want to remind you that he loves you so much more than the issues that you carry. And it will ease the pain. Only his love. So if you don't soak in his love, acknowledge his love, rest in his love, you're gonna, there is, there is no way you're ever gonna come under the surgeon's hand. You need to be well, you actually need to be well planted and grafted in his love. For the Word is His life. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It can judge the thoughts and the intent of Peter's heart and our heart. I see regular occurrence of those who struggle to stand in faith and in truth and don't hold fast to the Word. They struggle to get the Word in them and they struggle to hold to it. And I want to tell you right now that 
I do not care how you get this. If it's audio Bible, YouTube, someone reading to you, if you wanna study the original Greek, I do not give a rip. You need the word because it was Christ's word to Peter that totally set him free and took out of him the thing that was completely independent and set him up. So it's not so that you're gonna, I read the word so I make sure I go to heaven. It's gonna help you get to heaven. But the whole point is that heaven will come to earth and you need it in your life. Without the word, there is no surgeon's knife. And I wanna encourage you every day, every day, I wanna encourage you as much as you can. Get into the word and that stuff is gonna get out of you because that's what it does. And then lastly, restoration is always his goal. If we let Christ into the deeper places of our soul, the spaces we didn't even realize were there, where you constantly get angry, where you get jealous and you didn't used to, you just, you know, the blame shifting, whatever it is. If Christ can cut that out of you, then he will restore you. His surgeon's hand is so precise. He will want to build you and release you. Because just like Peter, our surgeon is a potter as well, who puts his creation through the fire intentionally so that you will come out solid gold. Kate, 100%. There's no doubt about it. It's been a furnace of suffering. But your, but your eyes on the fire, that's not what God sees. It seems to me so unusual he led like all three of you, you know, through a suffering that started with losing mum and then other things. But gold, 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 gold. There's gold coming out of you. If anyone's been through grief, God will take you through the flame of that. And if you will surrender to him, to the hand of the surgeon. Separation. You've been through a separation? Okay, we can completely reject yourself for the rest of your life if you want. You can pluck... You don't even need the devil to condemn you because you do that yourself. I'll say to you that God can handle married or single. God can even handle those whose marriage has completely failed and bombed because His fire is cleansing. His fire is refining. It will burn out of you every fantasy and pipe dream until all you're left with is the purity of His love. Were you hurt? Were you ashamed? Were you abused? Were you the abuser? Let me tell you right now, let Christ put his hand to it. Were you the liar? Were you the cheater? Were you the thief? Were you in prison? Have you been in prison? Are you now out? Praise God that you're out. Let the surgeon's hand walk you through that journey and take out of you what got you in there in the first place. Come out gold. Because what did I say? He's gonna restore you, rebuild you to what? Release you and Peter became a weapon. He became awesome Peter. And he had to go through three days of surgery at the hand of the master. Which ones of you are under the surgeon's scalpel right now? And you can feel it. Feel that burn. You feel that challenge. Don't run from it. Come on. Let him take that. Let him take that thing out of you. I don't know how to do it. Rejoice if you can. Because it's going to be gold. It's going to be gold. Amen. I've said enough. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. I want you to close your eyes. and um, I've got two out of my five children in here. One's serving, one's sick, one's AWOL. You and you, daughters, I, I want you to hear 
this message today because this is, as much as we are saved by grace, this is a Christianity that if you're in the vine, you're going to be pruned. And to all spiritual children in the room, and it may not be mine, but you're a child of God, I want to say over you in a fatherly manner, I want you to know this. If you do not know this, there's a part of classic Christianity missing from your life. There are some things that only the fire of affliction God can do in you. Only that. And it's okay. And it will also help you as well that rather than like when someone in your connect group goes, how are you doing? You go, praise the Lord, brother. I'm wonderful. Washed in the blood. You're like, 100% you are. You are all of those things. But why don't you go, man, I feel like the surgeon's hand right now. I just feel like running a million miles an hour away in the opposite direction. Why don't you just like open up, ask your connect group to pray for you? I don't know. It's a novel thing, isn't it? Father, thank you for your word. Once again, I don't really want to go through more pruning. But I know that you will do that. I know, Lord, there's still things for you to put your hand to. I acknowledge you today as Saviour. And I acknowledge you as surgeon. And I thank you for what you did for Peter. Even for what you do for people right now in this room who are running, they're here, but they're running the opposite way. And I thank you, Lord, that you meet them today with compassion and with grace and with love. As I'm praying, Lord, I believe your spirit is working. I'm distracting them, Lord. Because while this happens, you reveal, Holy Spirit, this thing and that thing. We would bring you a list we think you need to sort out. Father, you would have another thing. I we just invite you, Lord. We want to be your disciples. Truly. We just open the door, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website, 